On tonight's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if the Snowpiercer finale can follow in the Fast and Furious footsteps, if the Old Guard will set a new standard for streaming superhero movies, and if that good boy Fitz is finally brought over to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All of that and more on the all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of today's episode. And as host, I will be putting in bare minimal work and letting the other co-hosts do all the heavy lifting. So here with me, as always, is my friend and strong boy number one, Mike. How's it going? It's going great. What I appreciate you about Cassie is that that's every host of every podcast, but at least you admit it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to be straight up. Like, I just want you guys to know what to expect from me in this. Like, I don't want to, like, some people try to, like, talk themselves up, but then that sets an expectation. But if I just lower that bar to the ground and I put in at least, like, 10% effort, you guys, I match that and I'm totally fine. So that's what I'm here for. And I'm proud. I'm happy that you support me. Thank you. And, of course, the other one doing some heavy lifting, strong boy number two, Ryan, how's it going? It sounds like, Cassie, that you're a hack, but I want to correct the audience that's thinking that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely the audience. Let's be clear here. It's, it's actually an incredible skill because the host, and this is like in all walks of life, but particularly entertainment, is, and that is what we're doing, by the way. If you want me to grab a fucking dictionary, we are part of show business, or as I call it, showbiz. Um, if you're the host, then your talent is going out and finding the fucking most talented people to be on your show with you and you you're, right. right now your batting average is 500 and that's pretty good merv griffin wasn't the best part of the merv griffin show it's the guests it's that parrot who could juggle it's the people he brought on that were really talented <laughs> and which of you two in this group would you say is the juggling parrot like if we were to attribute that to one of you two i would say that mike is the juggling parrot and i'm the guy who juggles parrots okay and we are mortal enemies <laughs> But you work so well on this. I'm so proud of you guys for coming together to talk about these TV shows and just to carry this. But I do want to let you guys know, like, the reason I'm going to be, like, putting in bare minimal effort on this on this one, I will say, is that, like, I'm going to be, I got to try to focus on how to make, like, money. Because uh, this la- most recent Twitter hack got me, you guys. And I feel like the board might be a little mad at me because I, I have maxed out the Your Pop Filter credit card. But it was because it was such a believable message. Like, of course... Like, people were direct messaging me, like, Hank Green needed Metamucil. Of course I had to give him the credit card. He needed it. So I just want to know, like, do you guys, you guys have maxed out the, the credit card before, right? This is, this has all happened. This is fine. Well, I am the, I'm sort of the financial wizard of Pop Filter, And so uh, I think what we do here is that Mike will max out the credit card, and oddly enough, for Metamucil. Something that I don't know what it does. I think Mike likes it because uh, everyone thinks about Musil, but Mike thinks about it so much, he's Metamusil. And then what I do as the financial wizard is that I pay off the credit card by going and getting a different credit card with a higher interest rate and then just use that to pay it off. And now Mm -hmm. we're fucking it. We're in the clear, baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
See, you this... just keep c- kicking that football down the line. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Again, you are doing the heavy lifting. I am so glad I brought you guys on. Yeah, we'll just get another credit card. We're going to solve this issue. I did. I knew there had to be a system in place. I knew you guys had this down. Also, if you're having credit issues, I will solve them with the simplest of tools. Scissors. If you cut that credit card up, that's Can't it. Track you. Yeah, like, you don't have to pay that anymore. It's just done for. That is, I'm very excited for this. So I thought we were going to have to do like a whole brainstorming session. We could just fucking kick back in this segment, you guys. Like, this is chill as hell now. Yeah, Cassie, we've been running from financial problems since before you were born. Do not <laughs> worry. We have methods. Well, I mean, if you look at when my mom was pregnant with me, I've been running from financial situations from <laughs> before I was born. So this runs, uh, so to speak, in the family. Yeah, I still think you owe Hogue Hospital money for being born. <laughs> They have your number. They know what's up. Well, I mean, luckily, guys, we weren't born on a train. We don't have to work our way up from that. It's easy for us to run. But we're going to see what it would be like if we had to deal with a revolution while living on a train when we talk about Snowpiercer for the main event. But before that, a quick stop at the bullpen. Welcome back, everyone. We are here for the bullpen, and we're switching it up a bit this week. We're taking a break from the shushies, a little break from this award season in order to talk about a new movie that's new to Netflix right now. Ryan, what are we doing this week? Greg Rucka, creator of comic books Gotham Central and Stumptown, sold his comic book The Old Guard to Skydance Pictures almost as soon as it was released in 2017. From there, Netflix jumped on, and then Charlize Theron jumped on, and then Gina Prince-Bythewood, who became the first black woman to direct a big-budget comic book movie. The Old Guard tells the story of a group of immortal warriors who run around and fight crime. Things get crazy when the youngest CEO in pharma decides he wants their DNA. Also, things get crazy when they find the first new immortal in centuries. Netflix sweeping in to distribute and finance this movie is a scary proposition, especially because most of what they make, particularly when it comes to comic book adaptations, is crap. What did the old guard do or not do to sort of not be crap? Hire Charlize Theron, I think, is one. She is somebody who elevates, and her back half a career of just being a badass action hero uh, I don't think anybody would predict it a decade ago, and now it's just smart money for... At least you're going to get great scenes that way. In the first like third of this movie, she is driving a big truck-like thing in a wasteland. I was like, hell yeah! Let's do this again! <laughs> yeah, it's 100%. Like, if I could put it to one main thing, definitely uh charlie's there on because she just like and the fight scenes like her ability to pull off fight scenes and then like the like choreography for those fight scenes was rad as hell Mm -hmm. guys i can watch somebody move like mow through a group of people preferably in a hallway but maybe not while the camera follows them for hours and hours on end like the way that (laughs) like they always everybody in this situation and charlie does it better than anybody else uh somersaults and ducks under a thing, and then stands up, and then uses her axe, and then a gun, and then hands. I can watch it forever. Yeah, if the whole movie was her in that church, uh, I would not get tired ever. I would just be so into it. And then there's definitely a post-John Wick gun-fu type thing. The way they, that when the first scene we see them, where they all got shot, because it was a trap, they weren't actually saving kids, and then they all got up slowly, and then took out those guards in that coolly lit room. So, like, good staging that way. But they went from, like, firing their guns to punch firing with their guns. I'm a fucking sucker for that. It, it, that scene is perfect, too, because it shows that villains and heroes fight in a different way. Uh, villains will stand up every, everybody in a line and basically bully them down. You know, just right. fire on them when there's no defense going on. 
and heroes are underdogs and use teamwork and strategy to take out a large group of people. And immortality. And immortality. And immortality, sure. The mark against it, the mark in like, oh, this is a Netflix comic book thing, is getting Dudley from Harry Potter, the chubby cousin who made Harry Potter's life a living hell before he went to wizarding school, to be the most cartoonish pharma villain in the world. Look, we all know Big Pharma is evil, but this guy is laughable. Yeah. That's what I didn't even put together that that was him, because he just like, it was like you saw this guy, and they tried to make him like intimidating at one point. Like he like, like... What did he go to stab one of them? I can't remember. Like one of the people, in, like in the old guard, like stab, like steps to him a little bit, and he just straight up like goes after them. And I was like, "This is a joke. In no way would this little nerd step like that." But yeah, I love, I love that too. He's just he's that type of guy who can be tough. He can do quote unquote tough things when seventeen bodyguards are right. holding on to his enemy and allow him to do whatever he wants. Otherwise, he's just a coward. Yeah, and I do think that was on purpose. Like, when he pulls out the axe, even his bodyguards were rolling their eyes that he's standing around with that big badass axe. I honestly, I knew that he wasn't on the level when I saw his eyes. Are they too kind? No, they're just not on the same level. Like, one <laughs> eye is, like, severely lower than the God, other one. <laughs> but with those, like, those that fights. Is, is not just a burn on his acting ability. <laughs> it goes deeper. Can but I? What, yeah, go for it, Can I actually throw something out there, though? Uh... I I actually think that Charlize was in a certain way the worst part of this movie. Um, what? I think that sh- there's so much that I think this movie is doing, and I think that to give a movie like this to uh, a female director who is who has a history of like pausing and reflecting throughout her movies and not like pushing the genre forward as hard as she can, but saying like you know in all genres we can take a breath and hang out for a second. I think that was perfect, and Charlize is perfect for that. And then it's her dialogue. I think that she's mm-hmm. she's delivering like early '90s dialogue where you had to talk like this, and she's trying to do the most she can with her face. But like her dialogue is to stand out from every other character. Even you know, like every other character gets, I think, pretty good dialogue for a movie like this. I would say, and I wish that the the script would have allowed her to at least improvise, if not stopped her from just brooding and being like early 90s Wolverine the entire time. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a flaw in that character. And there, there's a lot of flaws in this movie. I, I do think the people are elevating it. The I think the people who do the best with the dialogue are uh, the couple. The, the, the guys who met on opposite sides of the crusade killed each other and then both woke up. Uh, they bring up, and maybe it's just it's a little different, their scene on the train I think is the best non-action scene of where they refuse to not tell each other they love each other and kiss because it's freaking out the stupid cops. <laughs> uh, they elevated a lot, and everybody else, I think Charlize and Niall, the, the new one, really struggle with being like, oh, this shit is lame. I don't know how to wrap my mouth around it. But I do think that the, I think the movie does a good job of putting the focus not on the hallway fights, which you would expect, mm-hmm. especially if it was a boy director, but instead saying that Charlize and Niall, so Andy and Niall, and their relationship as mother-daughter, as mentor-mentee, like, the amount of time that that is given, even if it doesn't work all the time, the amount of time that it's given is, I think, what separates this movie from, like, typical, yeah, cool action stuff. And they blend some of it with the action stuff. That that scene on the plane where the drug runner is flying them, like, early on when they meet is the way they weave action with character developing and getting to know each other. I think that is very well done. Uh, Kiki 
shit. Kiki Hayes, Kiki the the lady who plays Niall. Um, mm-hmm. She was in If Beale Street Could Talk, and that I didn't see that movie. She was a standout there. I thought that she destroyed in this. Um, there's a million reasons why I cannot wait for Old Guard too, but I think she might be the number one. You know, the fact that she had to deal, she got to do both the uh, I'm I'm new in this situation and a little bit of the Charlize Wolverine dialogue. Um, all of that together, I think that she was the most fully fleshed out character and my favorite part. Yeah, they definitely made it, even though she's not the the draw, they they made it her story in a good way. Well, I don't think is be- so there's like the badass action, there's uh, Charlize. I don't know if they know who their audience is. My wife pointed out, like, musically, this is a YA novel turned into a movie. Yeah. The music fucking sucked. I can't believe, like, every song was very on the nose, like, I'll stab all three guys with a sword. But, like, the lamest kind of music that Hold kids on, think is very heavy. All of your favorite music from when you were in high school all has the line, I'll stab all three of these guys with a sword. That's what I'm saying. Like, it... I was surprised that Niall didn't get in a love triangle between two other characters because audio wise, this was so fucking YA. All of my, all of your favorite music is like uh, sung by guys with wearing guy liner, but for action movies, I'm going to call it Hemo. I think <laughs> Hemo is your favorite thing. Yeah. I like, I was, maybe it's just that I've been so worn down by all of the shit that we have to watch, but I don't know. I think that it was, I think it was tight. I think it was tight, like, not a lot of loose fat, not like, tight. And, like, I think that it was, I think it was earnest, you know? Like, I appreciated the lack of snark and the lack of meta. And, like, they just went out and they were like, our story's crazy. It's based on a comic book. But there's going to be no quips. There's no going to be, like, winking at the camera. We're just going to tell this story in the, like, in a very basic way. And I thought that was refreshing. <laughs> We have, I guess the bar is very low, but it is also like, we always go to like the ensemble and how everybody like reacts or like is with each other. And I think this is a strong like ensemble. I like how, cause they have the one group that has just so much history. And then you bring in this new girl who they're like, the leader, Andy is very reluctant to like lead. And they both like, she doesn't even want to be a part of it. But I feel like I like, I like the dynamic between the whole group. So I, I think that was strong for this. Uh, fun fact, Greg Recca said he would not sell the script to Skydance and Netflix unless they kept in the scene with Nikki and his Crusades lover and where they like spout their love to each other. Yeah. If they did yeah. not keep that particular speech in the script, then they could not buy it. And I bet That's awesome. I bet he was right. Like one of their first notes would have been, Oh, cut that shit. That's fucking yeah. weird. And that's what the internet was freaking out about like in a good way mm-hmm. everybody before i watched it all over twitter was screenshots of that and like this is the reason you should watch this movie and it's they it, it it like they don't betray each other it is just this loving couple in the middle of this crazy story and it's cheesy and it's cringy but like in a way that like all couples are if you've ever seen any couple talk to each other it's fucking terrible to listen to and this yeah. is and this is the same way do you know what makes it net less terrible is a bunch of like fascist big farmer private army guys rolling their eyes that suddenly makes it revolutionary. <laughs> uh, real quick, I want to bring up one more thing. Um, by the way, spoilers. Uh, I think that we're spoiling the movie a lot. It's been out for a week, and I think seventy-five million Netflix accounts have viewed it already. So, if that if that was translated into. Uh, movie theater tickets it would be bigger than uh avengers endgame or avatar 
which is nuts. Uh, but um, in a movie that I really liked, I thought was good, but maybe not revolutionary, the single most horrifying thing I have ever heard in my entire life is here, and I will never forget it. Uh, these people are all immortals, and in order to handle that, bad guys far, far in the past, um, lock one of the immortals, who is Charlize Theron's either best friend or lover or something in between. Yeah. Uh, they lock her in a thing and put her in the ocean so she can uh, drown, die, wake up, drown, die over and over again for the the next five to 500 years, 1,000 years, 2,000 years. And that makes me nauseous. It makes, like, yeah. honestly, like I have never heard something as horrifying as that in my entire life. And it makes me pumped and terrified for the sequel where she's definitely the bad guy, but yeah. a bad guy you're going to feel really bad for the whole time. <laughs> as soon as they said like what was happening to her and then they like started to show it, I was like, oh no, oh, this just took a crazy yeah. turn. <laughs> I've never come closer to like putting my hands over my eyes yeah. until like they, they were about to show. On what, on what drowning death, and it's weird that this would come up, but on what drowning death uh, do you guys think that you would lose your mind? Because... I mean, in f- over the course of uh, 1,500 years, that's a couple of deaths. How long do you guys think you would last? Like Three. Yeah, two. Like, not, not a lot. Because one is surprising, two is you're like, oh, again, and three is like, oh, this is my life from now on. And then you just, you're, you're, you'd snap. Because it's, it's instant. She didn't die, and then like three hours later, she doesn't even get a reprieve. Yeah. It's just over and over and over again. All right, well, guys, I would say that uh, I we highly re- I highly recommend it. You guys somewhat recommend it. Yeah, I mean, it's right now, especially. I think the time also helps for it. Like, it's a good one for right now. It's something new, and it's not terrible. I totally agree. I concur. <laughs> Let's take a break, and then Cassie can retake over the show. On the first part of the season one Snowpiercer finale, we're checking in with the train while it's still still one thousand and one cars long, and in the midst of their revolution. Train revolutions are, like, super easy, though, because you can just gather your enemies in a couple of train cars and then detach those cars at a railway split. Chill and rad. On the second part, on a train now 994 cars long, we're seeing that revolution was easy, but governing's harder, as Leighton is trying to unite the people who were just at war with each other. The finale does not care about politics, though, so we're back to some Fast and Furious train stunts, as the Snowpiercer gets into drag race with another train in Chicago. Said train is believed to be ran by Mr. Wilford, who knows a little something about weight reduction and also has a vendetta against the Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer gets overtaken, and the first to greet them on that new train is the daughter that Melanie left for <gasps> dead. So, Taste Buds, I ask you, how many plot twists are too many for a show about a train 994 cars long? Well, when we're dealing with two hours, right? We watched two hours two, of this shit. Two whole uh, And we're dealing with two hours of a show that uh, we'd already given up on, sort of. You know, we were just like, checking in when we had to. Um, I would say that this was the appropriate amount, you know, like I needed, I needed, uh, whatever it took to just get me from the beginning of the penultimate episode to the end of the ultimate episode. And mm. I, I did it, you know, like it was, it was so, it's so, so stupid, but it, it's fun enough. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the little dabbles in the little moments, uh, Leighton having to, cause they're, they're like, there's a rebellion against the rebellion. And so Leighton's like crawling and realizing he has to kill like 20 of his friends if he wants to be able to get rid of the whole police force. Uh, yeah, that that was... emotional moment hit. Uh, 
did not hit is Ruth and the Irish cop making out in the middle of the war. That oh. made fucking no sense. That's what that's like Snowpiercer for every good thing they do. They're like, but we're still Snowpiercer. <laughs> and I think that's the like that's the market that gets like gets the moms like that specifically those choices. I feel like that's where the moms are like, yes, this is what I came for. Like that Hallmark twist. I'm, mm-hmm. I am. I'm a mom then. Uh, <laughs> you were into I got to say, uh, I'm a big fan of hot villain-on-villain villain action. I think more <laughs> villains should hook up with each other. Just getting off on how villainous they are. Do you remember when uh, Palpatine and Darth Vader just ran over and gave each other handies in the closet? Yeah. I am here for that. Just wrinkled and burnt. <laughs> but yeah, Mike, you mentioned that scene where um, Leighton had to like leave, like drop off that car of like half of his crew, which was mm-hmm. truly devastating. And I'm interested, like... I don't know how interested, but I am interested to know, like, the ramifications of that. Because, you know, like, the Taylors are a very tight-knit group. And, like, once they find out that he like, just, like, dropped off some of them, like... Yeah. And and that that's what is interesting. I don't know if Snowpiercer can pull it off, but the uh, winning is easy, living is harder ethos of anything like this is... Somebody, Audrey, who runs the night car, was giving Melanie shit for how she ran. And she says, hey, I saved humanity, Audrey. Good fucking point. Melanie did some gross, terrible things, but mm-hmm. she did save humankind. I don't know if you and need so to brag about it like that, though. <laughs> when when the Tailies give Leighton shit, he's like, I also got rid of all the people with real weapons who wanted to murder you. So, yeah. like... But that's the thing, too, about Leighton and trying to do that is, like, and we see this in real life, is that we're supposed to be liberal. Mm-hmm. Like, have liberal ideals, but ultimately we just all realize that we can only be... Uh, led by conservatives, you know, like you, you, we we find these people that lead despicable, but then when it comes down to do what needs to be done, you start throwing away your your liberal tendencies, like saying, "Oh, it's okay that these thirty pores get right. you know got," and then now so Leighton is going to instead of running the train in a different way, and I mean it's it's just Animal Farm, right? Like we've seen this a billion times. Instead of running a train in the different way that he thought he should, he'll just go. Now, run it like it was, and I hope every season is a revolution, and they just keep a different person. yeah revolution. Because <laughs> that's what a revolution man is; it just keeps circling back and circling back and coming back. No, I think now season two that would be again like character and interesting, but it's just going to be the train wars between Sean Bean is Mister Wilford. Yes, he is. Uh, and and I I think I'm very excited to see Mister Bean speak finally. I guess in Rat Race he did, but. I got nothing. So I was, just <laughs> I was just trying to remember if he did speak. It was I just got no, thrown through the loop. <laughs> I was just free associating. Well, he he had, he doesn't speak, but he's got those little. <laughs> and isn't that the scariest dictator of them all? What if he did just sound like he was like how they make the train announcements? Like he was just on a shitty mic making train <laughs> announcements the whole time. That's who they have been like revering this whole time. That that was another interesting point. Is the engineer who's banging Melanie? He was, like, hiding stuff, and so it felt like he maybe was going to betray them all, but it was him trying to, like, he, I guess, knew Mr. Wilford was out there, and he was just trying to stop anybody else from being like, let's meet up with this train. Mm-hmm. So that, that in the second episode, growing worked, I thought. Oh, I thought he was saying, we gotta join up with them. No. Huh, oh, okay. I, I kind of took it, too, because he was, like, the, Wilford's on, like, the supply train, right? So I think they were yeah. all interested in, like, getting any supplies they possibly could. I thought it was, if we meet now, we will fight each other. 
So we need to not meet up now so we can settle our own train. So when we meet up, we can handle him. Oh, interesting. Well, uh, at a certain point, they didn't have a choice because yeah. everyone was like, oh, I don't know how this works. I'm nervous that the trains are going to hit each other. What happens? And what happens is Wilford, is that his name? I yeah. So, yeah. Wilford's train just has this giant mount that can open up and all of these like <laughs> robot shit come in yeah. just like spread the butt cheeks of the other train <laughs> open like that they had some technology yeah snowpiercer has been playing post-apocalyptic survival while wilford is fully in steampunk <laughs> utopia <laughs> like his, there's gonna be a bunch of clockwork robots rolling out to kill humans that's what it, like the most interesting like the most fast and furious part to me was was that like he modded out his train to just open up and swallow other trains i was like in what world is this just his whole game plan this is insane I'll tell you what world, Exhibit's world. I definitely think that Exhibit got that train on his show <laughs> and pimped that train out. So you know there's a TV in a place that makes no sense. Yeah. I, I also know that whatever he was doing, he was wearing goggles. Like all of the work that he did on that train, he was wearing goggles the entire time. And probably yeah. t- like hitting metal on metal. Just a lot of that. <laughs> so did you guys like... We mentioned that there was there was like a lot of like little plot twists and everything, but I think it was like it was all needed because they broke it up in two parts. So I think we needed all these like stunts and stuff to make it more interesting because the only parts where I was invested really were just like all the train, all the train stunts pretty much like. But did you guys find any of that, like any of the storytelling stuff? I I think Pike, who is the Dawn of the Dead guy who plays this character and everything he's in because he has this face. uh <laughs> him knowing Leighton is too busy to actually worry about anything small details. So mm-hmm. he knows he can start taking advantage of the first class car and LJ being thrown out that that was interesting ish. Yeah, that was okay. Like let's get full on hedonism bot as soon as possible. Yeah. Right. Uh, and yeah, that, that actor's name is Steven Og, O G G. Oh. And yeah, to all fictional characters out there in the world, if Stephen Ogg comes into your TV show or movie and is your friend, I promise you it is not, not for long. He will I always stab you in the back. He's great at this role. He's perfected. Do you, guys you know have- what he is? He's a character actor, Billy Bob Thornton. You know? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the, yes. The one thing that I found like kind of interesting, like-ish, I feel like that's all we get from the show is with Melanie, like, they did straight up, like, she straight up admitted that she was just, like, a monster. And she was like, yeah, I, like, did terrible things, but now here we are, so what's your plan? Like, I do like a villain who's just yeah. like, I suck, I didn't work, so now I'm here to back you. And I do like that move instead of them trying to be like, oh, but she did it for these reasons. Like, I could justify it this way. Just straight up, she's like, nah, I'm a piece of shit, and what's up? I think that Melanie is by far the best part of the show. Like, yeah. Yeah. when we were supposed to be nervous that she was going to die, that they were going to kill off you know, one of their two actually famous people on the show. Um, that's that's not a good idea. I think Melanie is the best. And um, she she's the most competent person, which is cool. She's the like she's the, the person, like the hostess, the hospitality person. But she's also <laughs> the one who puts on the fucking snowsuit and runs around on the top of a train. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also, like, she's not – she didn't change and become good, you know? It's not like she right. – she, it's important to note that, like, she wasn't like, oh, I've seen the error of my ways, Mm-mm. and now I'm going to, you know, be a different person. She's just opportunist as fuck, and she's yeah. reading the tea leaves. She's saying this is now the side to be on, and that's how Melanie does. Yeah, it's, it's opportunist and truly saying whatever makes the most amount of people survive, that is what I will back at any given time. And 
you have to be monstrous to do that. And like, there's definitely ways that you understand it. It doesn't make everything right, but you're like, okay, because there's the way she does it and allowed it. But then there's the way Ruth and the cops do it, which revel in it and, mm-hmm. and want to crush right. people and crush their spirit. I do. Uh, I think Ruth has been a pretty flat character throughout it, but her, if she stays on like the panel or whatever of leaders and her V Layton, uh, that end where she brings singing kids to welcome Wilford while Leighton and his guys have spears. And then she pulls out a gun and she's like, I'm a dignitary. And Leighton's just like, okay, so her dignitary. Like, let me just explain this real quick. Uh, Ruth is, was like second in charge of hospitality below Melanie. And then Melanie got a death sentence. And so Ruth took over. And for those of you not watching the show or not in a post-apocalyptic world and think there's an end to Karen's, there is not, there is no, no situation where we'll, we'll always have Karen's and, I would say moment of the week for me that didn't involve train mouths opening and attaching other trains is Leighton just straight up looking her in the eyes and doing the thing that Karens want or they think they want but don't, which is, okay, you got it. It's your way. And then she's like, Mm -hmm. what? (laughs) No. Yeah, because she's not an actual leader. And they're so interesting there with like the class divides is when they're like, okay, we're going to do it your way. Just give me the gun. She still gives the brake man a gun Uh because he is – was never a tailie. Right. So there's still like class stuff going on. And white. And and white. Yeah, th- like and it's a that's a pretty subtle move for Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. And they did have like the only move that David or Leighton made in that moment was just like, can you get these kids out of here cuz we yeah. are about to yeah. be boarded. Like I don't know why you brought children to the front lines, but, but we don't that's need the- this. That seems like the kind of thing that that calms Karens down, and it doesn't, typically. Typically, when yeah. you say the most obvious thing of children should be safe, yes? Yeah. Uh, then they're like, they're my kids. Get I away get from me. You kid, no. You're making them not safe by not doing the kids safe, safe Karen thing. <laughs> she brought kids choir to a train fight. <laughs> but overall, I, do, did you- I gotta give it up for Wilfred, though, for having a theme song and having uh, children's choir know it. That I now have yeah. two new <laughs> dreams on my dream list. I want uh, you. I want you two to find some choir of children. Keep them safe, please. Let's do it after COVID. I don't want anybody in danger. But to sing a song in children's choir fashion about me. Okay. Yeah. You. You for sure got it. One hundred percent. And that was my favorite part. Like they all still had like the choir books of it. Like at some point they stashed these, and we're like, this will be needed again. I know the exact moment when I don't know children. where food is. But I know where my choir book is. Do you think Ruth has been secretly training them? Like, does Wilfred know he has a song? Or is he going to get weirded out that these people are obsessed with him? <laughs> also, if I'm, and you guys, this might not surprise you based on the speech I just made. But if I'm secretly training them, I'm switching the song to something about me instead of something about Wilfred. But I guess, that, I mean, that does speak to, like, how Karens become Karens, right? And, like, sort of how religion works is that... Ruth gives her life to this, like, quote-unquote, God-slash-job-slash-boss, and if you make it not real, her life is not real. and She sort of has right. no choice but to just, like, spin out and do very crazy things. And it's then, like, you do have to think about leadership, and that's not there. And there is, like, something – there's the implicit power struggle of white women, th- your Karens, of, like, they are not in power, but at least they're not the lowest of the low, which is how Ruth deals with everything because she's not a first-classer. Like, there's just something in that. Like, I am at least close to power, so I'll hold power up even though I'm not actually free. I'm better off than those who aren't free. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean – This show might be great. I'm, winning, <laughs> I'm getting one over. <laughs> I've never heard a more succinct explanation of Karens before, you know? Like, that's, that's just who they are. Yeah. 
there is there is like some interesting points where I feel like this show could be great. It's stuff like that. But then there's like I just don't know. I guess one of the final questions I want to know is like, did it this finale do enough to like bring you guys back? Like, is like that final plot twist of like Melanie's daughter being on board? Like, is there any part that is intriguing enough to bring you guys back? I got kind of close. This show, this this show edged me, um, <laughs> and I think it's all on purpose. Like, I do think that based on what I've read, because like I don't watch like actual TV, but TNT like really went all out on the commercials, and it they purposely stacked these last two hours of like this like final hope for the show which has already been renewed by the way for a second season yeah uh so they just want to like get some return on their investment um but there was a lot here it's so dumb and you know like i think cassie keeps saying fast and the furious i think that's a good way to look at it instead of saying like well let me see the new orwellian tv masterpiece that tnt has produced don't do that just think fast and the furious and i think it'll go okay but ultimately i think that i'm sold because they just they made the dopest move ever which is guys uh when the wilter wilford train attaches there's a big w there and then when they open up the door the w turns upside down and what is an upside w melody it's melody guys So Leighton thinks he's the one controlling and leading, but it's always going to be Melanie V. Wilford. Well, it's always some version of a W or an M. You know, like yeah. maybe if your name was E and you put the W on the side, mm-hmm. I could see that. But no, yeah. it, there's no L there, Leighton. Get the, the fuck out of here. The cold open of the second season is him like grinding away at the letter to try to turn it into an L. <laughs> this is my train, motherfuckers. No, it's the people's train. Never forget that. They are one. But I mean, I feel like there's... I'm at least in for, like, the first one. I do want to see how they pick it up, at least. That next one needs to go hard for me as well. Yeah. And I think bringing in an actor who people like, and he always dies, right? This is Ned Stark? He always loses his head, yeah. He always loses his head, so you know you're going to see that, and that'll be dope. Uh, And it might be Dark Matter Syndrome, and Cassie, I know you're too young on the show to remember Dark Matter, but, like... It is Snowpiercer came out in a time where we didn't have as many shows, and so if the second season also hits, then I'm in yeah. fully. And if they just let David spit at least one bar again, if I could put out anything, just yeah, at least a bar. That's bullshit. I want him to write the Snowpiercer anthem. Wait, why? I thought he was just like a train person. Yeah, he's a very good train person, but imagine Does he do a train anything person else? that could rap. That is um, just excellent trains. And yeah, like. Going back to the actor, Mike, I did, like, if we did one of our classic bullpens of, you know, where we do, like, top five people who should be on Snowpiercer next season, and we <laughs> made decisions about our TV shows, which they always listen to, I don't think we would have thought of Sean Bean. No. And yet, perfect choice. Like, that's, the, yes. that's right there of, like, you can go get that guy, right? Like, Snowpiercer, you're not out of Sean Bean's world, um, but he, we trust him, and we know that he's good at genre stuff, you know? And yeah, I'm very excited because he, I can't remember of him ever being full out bad, but like the way Snowpiercer is, I'm very excited for Sean Bean twirling his mustache. <laughs> like, well, he's being dandily evil. What if he's just Jim Carrey from Sonic the Hedgehog? What if he just <laughs> full Dr. Robotnik in, on Snowpiercer? I'm full in. A move like that is what will get me 100%. So I hope they do it. Snowpiercer is on TNT when it comes back. We'll see the day. And that is all the time we have for this main segment. So next up, our pool list. We are back for the pool list where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First show starting it off is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the flip side of last week's 80s adventure. 
as Mac and Deke kill evil robots, May and Yo-Yo end up with Ji Yang. Mike, do you remember her? Yeah, that's Daisy's mom. That's Daisy's mom. In an attempt to get Yo-Yo her powers back. There they meet Korra, a powerful inhuman who hopefully doesn't decide to use her powers for bad. Oh my god, she did. After last week's 80s blast, was a letdown inevitable? Or did this feel even more egregious than the common come down? Mike, is a question that I would like you to ask me. I think after the highs of last... Oh, Ryan. Yes. After the 80s fun of last week's episode, was the letdown inevitable? Or was the common come down worse than the common cold? Okay. You remembered most of the words that I said. You just put them in a different order. Um, yeah, honestly, like I think that we, we covered the 80s episode as like our main thing last week, right? And yeah. mm-hmm. it was a blast, and there was so much blood and robots that you're not going to be able to follow that up with anything that high but this was low and i think it speaks to an issue with superhero tv in general which is oh no it's the girls and it's got to be boring you know it's they like they do this thing where like uh boys are fun and they can crack jokes and when girls when it's a show when it's an episode about the girls it's like have them sit and talk and maybe not even talk just sit let's just film them (laughs) sitting and that sucks just because they've May and Yo-Yo aren't Deke kind of cutouts, but both of them have their own kind of humor. And this show has done pretty well by the women on it through the years. This show, this show has like one of the best reputations as far as that goes. But like, there's the teensiest amount of like May and Yo-Yo doing their classic, you know, sense of humor or like quips or whatever. And then the rest is like, what are we doing? And then we're introducing Cora, some like inhuman orphan. Which, you know, is fine. It's good to be an orphan, I guess. I'm not going to say that all orphans are terrible. But, <laughs> like, never... if you think about it, most of them are, right? Like, almost every orphan is a piece yeah. of shit. Uh, good I... kids are kept by their parents. Yeah, so. there's a reason why you, you're you an orphan, you little bitch. Uh, and and now she's, like, she joins up with Malik, and she's, she has a lot of power. But, like, this, it just, it feels like this is not what we should be doing in the last, like, five S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes and... we will ever have, ever. That's what makes it feel like a bigger letdown is you're just tallying off. Like instead of a fun episode or a meaningful episode, this is what we got. <laughs> yeah. It's so much it's, more. It's like when you know you're going to break up with somebody in two weeks, but they don't know it yet. And you're like, we'll, we'll just have a great last two weeks. And they keep fucking it up. <laughs> yeah. They keep <laughs> fucking it up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have, was it like a bottle episode then? Like, was it just like shitty heart to hearts the whole time? It's sort of like, I mean, it didn't happen all within like one, you know, hour, but it sort of was just shitty heart to hearts. Like, it's like, well, we have two girls together. So what they will do is they will like sort of sniff at each other and then they'll be very serious and then they'll joke for like one second and then they'll have another heart to heart and then they'll have a heart to heart about their previous heart to heart. And was that heart to hearty enough? (laughs) And that, that, yeah, I feel like that is such a betrayal of those two characters. That is not really what their deal generally is. The one thing that they did is that, so Yo-Yo needs therapy to get her powers back. And May has empathy powers, I guess. Like, she's got the whole thing going where, like, if she touches someone, then she feels what they're going through. And so they're sitting there holding hands. And, like, Indian style holding hands. So May can, like, try to feel what's going on. And May says, like, this is this is fucking killing me. There's got to be a better way to touch each other. And then it cuts, not in the way that you would think. It cuts to a scene where they just start kicking the shit out of each other. And <laughs> that that part was good. That, that was a good cut of just, like, them sparring because that's you're still touching each other, but you're not sitting there holding hands. That's my May and Yo-Yo. 
Yeah, and that sounds way better. I'm way more into that. Uh, that sounds like a great moment, but do you have another moment of the week, Ren? Another one other than that? Another, if it's possible, or is that your moment of the week, my friend? I'm going to say that, and this is sort of by like generic time travel, all time travel stories, moment of the week, where uh, May and Yo-Yo are like, Yo-Yo doesn't have her powers, and we don't know what to do. And Daisy's like, oh, travel back to this time. Talk to my mom. She'll hook you up. <laughs> and, and then everybody, everybody in every like time travel movie is like, "Oh yeah, we can do anything we want at any point," and so they do. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Agents of Shield is on Wednesdays on ABC. Our next show of the week is Warrior Nun. In the fourth and fifth episodes of Warrior Nun, it turns out Ava's note from last week where she said, "I want to live." Uh, doesn't mean I'm going to go hunt down that demon to help you guys. It means she just wants to party it up with the hipsters. Mm, uh, unfortunately, they all hate her and say no way in hell. So her and JC are going to bug out of Spain, but not before she can kill the nun who killed her and dozens of other kids through the years. Meanwhile, Carter Duretti starts a war with Killian Salvius when he sends a troop of nuns to steal Divinium from her. Taste buds, I ask you this. Are you more happy to hear that most of the hipsters are gone or bummed that JC is still around and sticking it to Ava? Is JC the very handsome boy? Yeah. And his initials in a show called Warrior Nun are JC? Are you it's crazy <laughs> we haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> How have we not talked about that? It's crazy uh, I did not pick up on that until right now. So thank you for putting that all out for me. I would say that because like JC, that's JC, that's like Jiminy Cricket, right? Yeah. It's her, yeah, it's her he, little. He is, uh, her conscience. Um, I would say the fewer hipsters and like. I don't want to. I don't want to just shit on hipsters in general. I think a lot of them are fine people. I Thank you. Love but their orphans, IPA. Again, orphans are terrible. <laughs> Unless they're fucking orphans. Um, Ew, orphan hipsters. Little orphan Annie Hall. No, thank you. I would say that I would like fewer of this show's version of hipsters, though, for sure. Yes. Yeah. It. Uh. Yeah. They do fuck on a boat bathroom oh, or in what? a boat bathroom. Uh. Which is big for Ava because she, two days ago, couldn't walk. And uh-huh. so now she's losing her virginity for the first time. But she still has not told him, even though he's starting to see nuns chase after her with swords. And she's like, I can't talk about it right now. Let's go do shots on this boat. Hold up. That was a whole thing that was just overlooked for him. Like, he was like, that's peculiar. But, like, yeah. straight up that happened. Can we, and, can we cut, please? Like, Mike just said, loses her virginity for the first time. Like, are we are we gonna let that go on the show? Like, I'll let it fly. <laughs> really, we're gonna keep recording when well, he just said you... loses her virginity for the first time, and we're just gonna keep on going with that. Well, this could be her post coming back from the dead virginity. Who knows? Exactly. Like, there's different rules here. Also, or... I I don't like. Doesn't she seem too young to be having sex on a boat? Oh, yeah, sure. that is definitely a 25-year-old thing. Yeah, you should be 25. It's like renting a car. 25. Yeah. Or it's extra insurance. <laughs> uh, the fifth episode was dope because there's not one fight between Mary and Lilith because Lilith is now – Duretti has told Lilith, kill her, and Mary by Father Vincent is, go save her. We need her. And it's not one fight scene. They fight for an hour straight over and over and over again in between other stuff. And they keep leaving – and then finding each other again, it's awesome. Oh, Do they at any point climb on top of a moving train? No. Does a boat count? No. <laughs> they put a boat on top of a moving train? They put a boat on a train, spin it around, and fight. Damn, we messed up, Ryan. We should have watched this one. I know. Go. If you're stacking vehicles on vehicles, I need to yeah. watch you. 
Yeah. None power. And if that happens in a show, you need to text us, Mike, obviously. Yeah. Okay. That's that's mostly my fault, I guess. Yeah. I just assumed you guys were watching it. Uh, that Because it was so long, that can't be my moment of the week. But it's at Beatrice, who's like, in between, she's one of the good nuns. Uh, when she <laughs> is sent by Doretti to steal the shield from uh, the tech company... She sends all the other nuns away when more and more security guards pull in, pull this chainmail mask in front of her face, and then slaughters them like she's some sort of Charlize Theron. It oh was dope. God. Oh, my God. That's It was the amazing. best fight scene the show has had so far. Why is the name Charlize not taken off? How come we have so many women named uh, – what's the chick from Game of Thrones? Daenerys. Daenerys. But not – there's no Charlize's. We should have a lot of Charlize's. Well, Daenerys is very easy to say and spell. Charlize, that's going to people trip up on that. Daenerys has four different AEs throughout, <laughs> yeah. the, throughout the word. Exactly. Yeah. It's super easy. It's very clear. You know it instantly. And I think you just you set up a real reputation as soon as you name your child Charlize. So like, yeah, that's true, right? I, could, I wouldn't. I would crack under that pressure of having that name. That's why I'm going to stick to the baby name I already chose Trump. No. <laughs> Only go up. No from bad there. connotations. <laughs> But, Mike, you said, so she murdered the nun, like, so the one that was taking care of her back when she was, like, quadriplegic? Is that the one? Yeah, who killed her. And we found out, because she cackled in Ava's face, that she's killed kids for years. Anytime they turn 18 before they can get put out of the system, she just kills them. Oh, damn. Okay. And I'm sorry, real quick, I'm doing my research. I'm looking, I'm typing stuff off on my research screen, and it's, uh, Ava's an orphan? Yeah. Okay, so so let's, let's get her the fuck out of here, then. So actually, more influencers. Uh, it's Ava. We need out of here. But mm-hmm. uh, this overall, it sounds like a pretty good couple of episodes. I am a little bummed. It sounds at least for that fight scene. I'm a little bummed, but Mike, was it up. was it dumb enough? It doesn't. It yeah. still feels like it's too serious. Is it dumb enough? Oh no, it's dumb, man. <laughs> and Ava's getting funnier. Uh, yeah, her and JC just like again in the middle of running away from murderous nuns stopped and went. Let's take shots on this boat. Like that is a real thing that happened. Okay, yeah. It's a great show. And uh, you mentioned some great moments. Do you have another moment of the week, or were, was it one of those? No, I was trying to cut it short and said my moment of the week is is that. So I guess it's uh, the surprise that I thought Lilith the whole time, even if they had her stop trying to kill Ava, I did not expect her to jump in the way of the demon that came out and sacrificed herself uh, so Mary wouldn't die. And so Lilith is gone. So I guess it's that. You know what? Solid pick. I don't... You feel like it... I feel like you feel a little bummed about that pick. Mike, decent moment of the week pick. Don't worry about it. Keep your head up, kid. Warrior Nun is on Netflix. You can watch it whenever. Our next show of the week is Doom Patrol. Uh, This week's episode of Doom Patrol, Cliff and Niles head to space to find Dorothy. Meanwhile, Larry Trainer has to deal with two boys, a girl, and a spaceship. And Jane and her friends have a funeral. Taste Buds, I ask you this. This episode continues DPs delving into what it means to be a father. Does this show have any good fathers and what do we think doom doom patrol's take on fatherhood is in general no (laughs) there's not a single good father the show might be about cliff learning how to be one i think that's what they're trying it's also like the most successful i think is larry like larry's the only one who's maybe getting a little bit of learning on how to be a dad when he can't have the opportunity to I mean, he's good at learning new stuff. He's a trainer, and he trains at doing new things. Great. And, but he, he's the only one who's like, I made mistakes. Right. And the rest of the DP dads are just like, I sh- maybe once barely, but fuck them. Fuck them for noticing, and I will never talk to them again. My children. No, Cl- 
Cliff definitely in the last episode had a heart to heart with Larry saying like, no, I guess Cliff was the one that, yeah, no, you're right. Cause Larry was the one who's like, no, we fucked up and hurt them. Cause mm-hmm. Cliff was like, dad's fuck up. It's what happens. And the crazy but- thing about it is that they run to each other and talk to each other about how bad of dads they are <laughs> instead of their children. And I mean, I guess in Cliff's case, like she, she doesn't want anything to do with him, but they just keep saying like, man, we're awful at being dads, but also being a dad is awful. Beer? Like, yeah. Is that is that it? Yeah, because uh, there's Dr. Stone who refuses to ever acknowledge he might have ever done anything wrong. Uh, there's Niles. And, it might be the worst, service. right? Yeah. Oh, he is the worst for sure. There's Niles who gives lip service and goes, I'm sorry I messed up, and then just continues to mess up further. There's Cliff who is just not a person and not because he's a robot. I'm not <laughs> going to be racist against robots here, but like... <laughs> Cliff really does refuse. He wants to scream and fuck up and then gay and then say, but I'm sorry and have people not be mad at him anymore. So Larry is the only one who ever looks in the mirror. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to ever get to a point where they're trying to get everyone to there. But as of right now, they all suck. So I don't know what they're saying about fathers besides like, it's not even like they just suck. It's not even like it's hard for them. It's just like sometimes they're pieces of shit. Like. That's the thing, though, is that I think the the show is saying that it's not hard for you. It's mm-hmm. it's your job. It's not hard for you. And yet you choose to say, oh, my God, it's so hard, and then just sit in a corner and do nothing. And then when we when we get to Larry Trainer, like, the one who has done it the best so far, when he when he became that, like, that beacon of fatherhood, he got burnt. Like, he yeah. got screwed for it. So is the show saying something don't try. Yeah, like, <laughs> just don't do anything. Everybody's better off. I, I do, but like this episode ends with Larry being like, you know what? I know what happened last time, but I gotta have to go talk to my family again. So I do think that is the they we're we're too close right now. But the long run is it doesn't matter if you got burnt. You did the initial burning, and you are older, so you have to nut up a little. You're older, and you know the difference between right and wrong, and what you're supposed to do, and what you're not supposed to do, and yeah. what you but. Like, uh, fucking up constantly and then gently crying in a corner to your friend, that's, that, that, that doesn't count. That's, that doesn't count yeah. as fatherhood. Like, I know a lot of dads think it does, but it doesn't. I will also say, though, if your kid is 70 the way Larry's is, I don't know if it is all Larry's fault anymore. Like, at a certain point, that kid is, is also culpable. Well, Niall's kid is 105, so this is a crazy dad group. <laughs> yeah. And he really doesn't like, he's like, I got to keep her safe from herself and for the world. I'll lock her up. And then why go to the moon then? She was safe on the moon. Not, not, and that's why Niles is a villain because he, spoiler, throws Cliff into space after Cliff puts away his hatred for Niles. And Cliff earlier in the episode says, who gives a shit about Dorothy? What's wrong with Jane? Uh, but Cliff and Dorothy have a really good heart to heart. And then Niles launches him into space. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the, that's the big button. And... It made watching, what did I watch? Uh, Shield, right? Which was just clearly a filler episode. This episode of Doom Patrol, it's not Sex Patrol, right? Like, this is, right. A, this is a more laid-back episode. But still, it can't not do something fucking nuts like kick Cliff into space. Yeah. You know? Um, but uh, it made me realize, too, that it's, we're not just dealing with Cliff's daughter in Florida. We're also dealing with Jane, you know? Like, yes. there is father-daughter shit everywhere. And also, Jane is... Niles' daughter. Yeah, Jane, unfortunately, is the two worst dads. (laughs) Would this be better? My two dads as a sitcom? uh, Yes. Niles and Cliff just, like, handing out uh, platitudes to their daughter? 
How how interested in the workings of the underground are you? Because yeah, we get this funeral, and then Jane is like, "You're throwing that dead version of us into the well that destroys people. We shouldn't do that." And then like the suicided version who used to be Jane Miranda, like she was the primary, comes back up like ethereally and is like, "You don't know about the well." Is it? Hey, uh, First of all, of I feel like that is. if you're going to have a character named Miranda, then you have to go through, are you a Miranda? Are you a girl with blade words? <laughs> are you a hammerhead? Are you a hammerhead? Sorry, keep going. Uh, with, with Because of what Doom Patrol does so well, character-wise and goofy-wise, this – the characters aren't interesting enough on their own. Like, are you into, like, th- this arcane thing they're doing? I think that the underground is – the worst part of any episode that the underground is in. And I was trying to figure out why, because I'm, you know, I'm head over heels for Doom Patrol. And I think the reason is, is it's like watching uh, one of those clip shows for a high school graduation for a high school that you didn't go to. So like <laughs> Doom Patrol is like, uh, I love watching. All, I, I can't wait to see in each episode of Doom Patrol who gets to hang out with each other and who I get to watch. And then we go to the underground and it's like, I don't, fucking care about any of this and i like i have the same adversity to it like i do in a dream sequence you know mm-hmm. and i know that crazy or jane we'll just call her jane i uh, i know that she has her issues and she's important to me and i want to go through them all with her but i don't care bro like i do not care yeah i think it's because so many of the underground personalities are stoic so it's jane being jane but not even the funnest version of jane and then all these stoic reactions to her and you're like okay cool bro and the fact that we went to the underground and as soon as we got there like david diggs was like we gotta take this train back i was like what are we doing why i think that was a fever dream you had from all of this ride but uh so was it we did have to do with the funeral for baby doll uh um, how uh and so, how hard so I, I don't even remember who the primary is now the new, at the end of the episode yeah it's miranda who had killed herself before the show ever started. Well, I mean, it is her right to become yes. primary, right? Like, the, those are the Miranda rights. Uh, but, yeah, I think that they just dumped dead-ass baby doll into a well, right? Like, Yeah, because Miranda, that's, Miranda killed herself and stopped being primary by jumping into that well years ago. And so they think it's a burial, and Miranda's saying, no, this is actually the only way to get this part of us back. She has to, like, cocoon for a decade. Cocoon. Oh, cocoon. She, she must cocoon. And not Cocoon 2, The Return. What is what is the Jane that we've had for most of the run? Jane. That's just Jane. Yeah. Jane Ass Jane. Jane, Jane Ass Jane is the primary. She took over for Miranda because they all each have like a thing and a personality. And Jane and Miranda were just the normalest of folks. <laughs> like, Does it yeah. make you nervous that Miranda's thing is she loves pogs? Like, is that yeah. going to be weird that the show just becomes uh, like this pog-obsessed uh, collector show? I'm pretty stoked for Doom Patrol's Pog series that's coming out next year, so I guess there's that plus. <laughs> Doom Patrol is always like right on the like what is hip in culture. But, DPP. About to get real into collecting again. Uh, Ryan, do you have a moment of the week? Yeah, my moment of the week uh, is we had no, we did not talk about uh, zip and specs. Uh, <laughs> the spaceship lands, and uh, I what is the girl's name? Moscow. She's the Russian one. Moscow. And so Moscow is still a person who has the same powers as Larry Trainer, but like got in touch with her inner electric man. Negative spirit. 
And Zip and Specs are have been dead forever and are just meat bags running around. Uh, you say their catchphrases and smack each other in the bottom. Yeah, just like goosing <laughs> each other and having a good time. And uh, I love the whole thing of like uh, when boy characters are meat husks, they're not that much different than when they're not meat husks. Like they're th- this is how boys work. We run around and we pinch each other's butts, and that's what we do. Um, but my ultimate moment of the week is uh, Rita is going to – she's doing community theater. And uh, somebody says something to her. And Rita's delivery of, well, I've met my nemesis, is the best Rita moment of all time. <laughs> yes. Because it's the woman playing – she thinks it's Our Town, but it's a new shitty play called Our Town. Uh, that's about Rita turning into the blob and the farting donkey. And her nemesis is the woman playing her. <laughs> oh god, this show is so unreal. Mike, do you have a moment of the week? But like, yeah, it is. Sorry, we, we Ryan. What? There's so few times in our lives where, like, it's usually we realize our nemesis nemesis when we're looking back. And there's so few yeah. times when we're like, oh, right now, this person, <laughs> that motherfucker, right there, that's my nemesis. <laughs> Very clear. Uh, mine, it, it's the pioneers of the Uncharted. The way they introduce themselves, like, I'm Zip, and I'm this one. I'm Specs, the brains of the outfit but I'm not too bad looking to boot. And that's Moscow, the Russian one. And just having hearing that over and over and over again, but getting creepier. Uh, they were awesome. I could have dealt with them forever. Not to pull back too much behind the curtain, but uh, Cassie, you did not watch this? I did not watch this one. I would watch this one. Yes. And then think of yourself as Moscow for the rest of your life <laughs> as my zip and Mike Specs just run around like... <laughs> Uh, cupping our farts and then putting it in each other's mouths and pinching <laughs> a, pinching each other's bottoms. And you're just standing there being like, ah, those are my meat husks. That's Zip and Specs. I, yeah, I will go back to it because that's going to help me put my life into perspective. I feel like I can relate to this. So thank you for that tip. Uh, Doom Patrol is on Thursdays on the DCU or also on HBO Max. Our next show of the week is Stargirl. On finally. Sp- finally. On this week's Stargirl, our tiny JSA is divided after Courtney tries to recruit Henry, who is now, who now has a handle on his abilities after studying his father's tapes. Recruiting him is a real shitty move, but it's all hands on deck after we learn that Dr. Ito has created a mind control weapon that could be controlled by a telepath. Also in typical high school drama, Courtney's mom invites her boss over for a celebratory dinner. The boss is, of course, the father of her crush, and of course, the head of the Injustice League. But to make it even more awkward, he's also brought along his, like, pagan-worshipping creepy parents as well. I don't know that story. But, Taste Buds, I ask you, the Injustice League parents sure are pieces of shit, huh? <laughs> I fucking I fucking love this show. I forgot about the dinner. Yeah, uh, the dinner How like could you forget about the dinner? <laughs> the dinner is like, uh, so, Courtney, uh, not to make anything super embarrassing for you, because, you know, you're a teenage girl in high school, but... Uh, all of a sudden, here's your boyfriend, his villain dad, and then two old people from Midsommar who are going to <laughs> chant out their cultish ways while you think they're saying grace. Fuck, th- this show fucking rules. It's, yeah, th- that is the best slam together of superhero in high school. Yeah, it's crazy because like, that's one of my other issues. Like, no mom is just going to put together a dinner without warning the whole family, right? Like, was it, My mom was terrified if we weren't fully presentable to anybody. Like, You can't just throw that at some kids. Oh my god! If like if like there were like company needed to give like two weeks warning, so my mom could like hose down, like power wash the scum off of literally everything in my house to just have people show up out of nowhere—that's insane. 
Well, well, Barbara and Pat keep a cleaner house than apparently your mom did. <laughs> and I think where Barbara's at is this family has fucked her over. And by this, I mean her family enough times. So she's like, she's talking to Jordan and he's like, looks sad. And she's like, what's wrong? He's like, I finished a project and I feel empty, which I yeah, relate that, to. Like, that one so hit hard. I sure. should be excited, but I'm just like bummed. Uh, and so she invites him over for dinner and it's because they are definitely growing closer. All of it. All of it tracked. And it I mean, are they going growing so close that Barbara, with like in next week's episode when Barbara finds out who Star Girl is, she's going to go with Jordan? Yeah, I think so. That's As mom versus like, daughter, what, what would happen Lady from Ice. that? Because it was like she, they had a very clear moment at that dinner as well, where they were like, um, like Blue Valley Tire or whatever is working to make it all better. Like it was very clear of like the town isn't perfect, and both of them were like, ah, oh, but we're very close, and it was like that creepy. Yeah. Uh, Pat's fucking future diabetes kid says, I don't know, this town is stupid, and Barbara beat him to death. (laughs) (laughs) That was insane. And she liked him. Yeah, that was her favorite. But no, like, wouldn't that make it even better as far as, like, uh, the trials and tribulations of a teenage superhero is the ultimate villain is the mom, right? Like, talk to a 15-year-old girl about their mom, and they will use the C word no fewer than 52 (laughs) times. In one second. Yeah. <laughs> At the very Which least. is loud. <laughs> but it's just like, how hard can Barbara be as the villain when we have, like, Dr. Ito as another parent? All it's right, like... here we go. Here we go. Dr. Ito is still, I believe, the star of the show. Every single fucking word out of his mouth, guys, is my favorite part of anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, this show I've mentioned a couple times of, like, it re- always reaches, like, a new darker, like, it gets darker, way darker than I ever thought mm-hmm. it could. And that moment was with Dr. Ito this time when, like, he has locked away his child in a dungeon down with him. And uh, she starts, like, talking back to him. And he's just straight up, like, turn on the gas. It always calmed her down as a baby. Not as, even as a, a baby! Child. <laughs> he gassed his child. Like, just like, I can't deal with a crying ch- baby. So let's just gas that baby. Unreal. And then did you hear, there's, like, a little drop after that, right? Like, he, they turn on the gas yeah. and she fucking hits the ground. Yeah, yeah hard. Yeah, and, and that's, like, right after, before, she was like, I knew you wouldn't, like, leave me down here or whatever, because he comes to the door or whatever, and he just, like, shuts it, and he's like, gasser. Unreal. And the, the show, like, the show does a good job of speaking to me. You would you would think that this CW show about a 15-year-old female superhero would not speak to me in my <laughs> current state, but I, 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 I know, I've, like, I've watched enough TV to know to hate Dr. Rita, but I've also known enough shivs. To be like, yeah, that's what I'd do. Fuck, yeah. Fucking gasser. It's a real Julie Cooper, Caleb Nichols scenario. It's like, they both suck, but I like to watch them go head to head. It's just unreal because we watched Snowpiercer for the main event, and that's like the part that made Davi like, Leighton turn himself over. He's like, I can't have him gassing people. And he's just like, I did it as a baby. Let's do it again. <laughs> I can't wrap my mind around there's, it. There's different kinds of gassing. Yeah. There's the fun gassing uh. you do to a baby. <laughs> and then there's... I just I think my favorite stand up comedian of all time is Doctor Doom. And he's just he he's so funny in the way that uh he boisterously just like makes these declarations into bands and like stomps his feet. And Doctor Ito is it. Like Doctor Ito is the Doctor Doom of this world and everything yes. out of his mouth is fucking hilarious. He's just like <laughs> I my mouth needs snacking. Bring me my Pringles. <laughs> like I just love it. I, everything. <laughs> the other dad we have is brainwave's dad and i we now have this whole thing like was focusing on um little brainwave henry i think is his name 
But how do you guys... That's a little brainwave. A little brainwave. A little B-dubbed. <laughs> how do we feel about the whole... Because this show gave us that training montage of them just, like, Googling all the traits, but now he's learning from uh-huh. the tapes. So how do we feel about, like, that way to learn? If it was brainwaves great-great-grandfather, then VHS tapes would make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if it was Brainwave's father, then this all should have just, like, been in a folder on a computer, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, his dad is old school. <laughs> he's, Why he's, do we like, hang on to this better. stuff? Just, Why did we what, Ryan? Why do we hang on to this stuff? We're like, if anything happens, even, like, a week of the past, it's VHS tapes. We're, <laughs> we're all, like, we all have uh, bell-bottoms and giant pros. <laughs> It just it's looks just, more dramatic. It's one week ago. Uh, but no, I, I liked it because I thought it was a pretty good walk uh, of Henry through, I'm not sure what side he's going to lean to, mm-hmm. and yeah. then watching his brain get warped by feeling, <laughs> basically what Henry did was inject the internet into him. Uh, yeah. The internet is just like everybody's worst versions of themselves, and so he's walking around like watching people say, like, I uh, can't wait for my wife to die, or... I'm going to fucking fart in this orphan's mouth. And that's what <laughs> that's the constant thought of everyone he's around. And how would you not become a villain? You know? Yeah. Because you think everybody's gross. So you should do it. And then Courtney does her. There's love underneath. Did that work for you? Or is that cheesy? I think so. I think Courtney can get away with a lot right now because she's so hi. I'm Courtney <laughs> and I'm going to solve the world. Yeah, I, I do like what that C- C- Courtney has learned. She went to the baby JSA to say, hey, I think we should ask Henry. So she's learning a little. And she's like, well, Rick, you were a dick and we brought you. And he points out, he's like, I'm an asshole. He leaked nudes. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's the high schooliest thing. <laughs> I can't tell where this show, because you mentioned like we don't know where they're going with him. And I feel like the way to have him learn from watching the tapes was a way to get him like to disconnect from his father. Because if it was his father teaching him directly, like obviously he's going to go full like... People are trash. I'm going to go full evil. Mm-hmm. But now he gets his own perspective, like, away from his father. So there is, like, I feel like the show might be doing a possible redemption arc for him, which I am not stoked about. It, But I don't because Yolanda not only told Courtney no fucking way I'm out if you do this, also threatened to kill him if he tried to join. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a quick and easy redemption arc. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, because she is. He must think everybody is a superhero but him, and now he's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I never think about that in these shows. Like, really? Everyone just gets a fucking mask? That's crazy. Um, But yeah, like, I do appreciate Yolanda's like, hey, Courtney, no, fuck him, I'm out. And then instead of like, I probably handled that, that was enough. And then immediately running up to Rick and being like, fuck you, idiot. Like, there's no way you're getting back in here. Was that this episode or the last one? That was this one. Okay, good. Yeah, where she's in the But you meant Henry, not Rick. Oh, yeah, Henry, sorry. Yeah, uh, but, like, going back to Doom Patrol, it's the same thing, too. If, like, the power of dads, like, either they leave your life and fuck you up forever, or they stay in your life and fuck you up forever. Like, that's just, that is all dads are capable of. Or they're Pat, maybe, the best of us. <laughs> or you get Pat. And Pat had a great moment of, like, for once, like, he was just, like, almost a badass or just respectable. Like, there was, he just made the kids do the research and straight up just walked out of yeah. the room. He was like, yeah. time to grow up and do some research and just walked away. I was like, there you go, Pat. Look at you. Uh, and there's a point where uh, somebody says something and the other person's like, that's not a Pat idea. There's no <laughs> way Pat would ever say this. Uh, but, like, actually, Pat is a bad dad, though. I think he's a great stepdad. 
You know, oh, yeah, but he doesn't care about Mike. He's a great stepdad until Courtney gets stuck in the washer or the dryer. And then we have a whole other show, guys. <laughs> but there is... So at the end, Barbara, mo- the mom, sees um, the staff floating in the air. So now we will have Barbara knowing for sure. And how do you guys mm-hmm. think this is going to go down? Not well. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, we, th- we were talking about how she might be the villain, huh? No, that was, I mean, that's the hope, and that's the most realistic thing. But yeah, in the last five minutes, we have Barbara seeing the staff, and Henry Jr. Uh, murdering a lawyer. And yeah. Like, this this sort of did feel like a setup episode. This is not, like, the most monumental episode. But, like, those two things you can't go back on. Those right. two things will change everything forever. And that's the thing that Stargirl is so good at. Yeah. That, that's a divorce-level thing, right? Like, you're keeping that my kid is a superhero, and also you've been enabling her to put her life on the line. Lied about the car done. crash. Yeah. We're probably done. Uh, not in the show, because that's not how shows work. But I think in real life, that might be a big divorce. Well, Mike, you think that they're, like, their whole marriage hinges on, like being lonely and not even being in love with each other we've just seen very little evidence of them being into each other so. oh my god oh my god he moved to that town for her he moved to that town to fight the injustice society that's totally true <laughs> and they had a good shop a good lot of land to set up a garage shop let's be real but uh do you guys, do you guys think luke wilson will ever uh i'm sorry owen wilson will ever play a villain on the show i really hope so yeah. i hope that he's the big bad of season two wow there's so many God, it would just be the best thing ever. It's my biggest dream. But uh, we are almost out of time. Mike, do you have a moment of the week? Yeah, it is going back to Dr. Ito. He is a dramatic bitch. Mm-hmm. When he meets up with the Injustice Society, he asks if he can sit before he does and then immediately stands up to start giving a presentation to them. <laughs> like, he did not have to. It's just, he's, he just loves the flair, man. And he waited for, like, his, like, like Goonies or whatever to like pull the chair out for him, right? Yeah. If, I remember, if I remember. Yeah. Yeah. He is an extra bitch. It's so great. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Moment of the week? Uh, yeah, we already did it, but it's uh, turn on the gas and always calm to Rizzo, baby. God. Like, what the <laughs> what the holy fuck is that? It's just a decision to say as a baby, not even a child. Like, <laughs> couldn't even walk. <laughs> as <laughs> just, a baby. It blew my mind. Uh, my moment of the week is we, I didn't even get to talk about it, but we, thank you guys th- for not telling me because I, I found out the janitor was a part of that super group what is it the seven people of justice or whatever? seven soldiers, seven of, soldiers victory. of victory seven soldiers of Nerd. victory <laughs> obviously fucking got wrecked by you guys but um <laughs> my moment of the week is when like courtney's looking at the photo and she's like pat there were eight in the group and he just responds with like yeah that was our, always an argument between us but you know it was just pat who was just like yeah yes. he just didn't count <laughs> there's eight of us can i be included in this title so i just love i it. can't Sorry, I can't believe not uh, five minutes after we were talking about how Cassie is the Moscow and Mike and I are the zips and specs. We're here screaming, seven soldiers of victory. Cassie, Cassie's like trying to have like a normal conversation amongst friends. We're like, Bleh! but you know, it, we are supposed to be talking about like superhero TV. So thank you guys for that. And yeah, outside yeah, of, of here, I'll fucking wreck you guys. Never again. But um, that's all the time we have to talk about Stargirl. It is on Mondays on the DCU or Tuesdays on the CW. And that was our last show of the week. So we have done it. We have reached the end of the show. And now it is only time to plug things. So, Mike, can you tell me about some websites? Yourpopfilter.com is where all of the stuff we make lives. If you want to pay for even more stuff we make, go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Support us a little. We'll give you a little 
Kashish on the side, and by Kashish, I mean extra content. Uh, and you could go to ratethispodcast.com slash superhero to ratethispodcast.com slash superhero. Exactly. It's all right there in the title. You don't need anything, any other info. Ryan, can you tell us about the other shows? We do so many other shows. If you are like, I like this show that you're listening to now, but you wish that it was not about TV, but movies. You wish that Cassie was Greg. Then go to Movie of the Year. And where we try to pick the single greatest movie of any given year. And then we also have the OCD, I guess. Are we still plugging that? Yeah, go back and listen. There's 100 episodes of manic <laughs> conversation. 100 episodes of the OCD based uh, where we, like, Mike and I try to go through every single episode of the first two seasons of the OC. And then, of course, the Unnatural 20s. What if Cassie replaced me and Mike with to other people and they uh, roll the dice to see what life will be like in their 20s unnatural 20s <laughs> all podcasts all exist on yourpopfilter.com slash amazon oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, exactly where you can go you'll find it all mike can you tell us about social media at your pop filter on twitter on instagram do it do it we also got an email if you're not on the social media. You can reach out to us. That's contact at your pop filter. You can send us any questions, anything. You could just chat to us there. Mike and Ryan are very lonely. So just, you know, any talking points. If you want to yell about the seven people, you know. Seven soldiers. Oh, seven soldiers of victory. Just said it. Yeah. Did you <laughs> Somebody else talk to them. I don't want to. That's contact at your pop filter. Next week, we got another big episode, you guys, specifically for Stargirl because it's going to have its biggest fight yet. It's going to be Pat versus Barbara. I don't know. It's going to be unreal. And it's also going to be a big episode for Fitz, because we'll see if Fitz will win the Shushi for Best Supporting Actor. Also, if Fitz can show up to his own fucking TV series at some point. It might be next week. We will see. That is it for this week, though. Thank you for listening. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I am Mike. And for me, I am me. Bye, everyone. Bye.